Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that called it too early. A couple of weeks ago, we said that that was it. That's it for the, the, for 2020. Netflix has won for the rest of 2020. But just when you thought it was down, when you thought it was down on the mat, cinema has gotten up. It is. It's like you know. It's like the Undertaker getting up from the mat, coming back up to come out of the corner swinging. My name is Tosin. I am your host, based up in Coventry in the Midlands, and joining me on the Isle of Wight are Sharon. Hello. And Sean. Yeah. Hi, right? How are you? Right. Yes. How are you guys doing? What, what do you guys think about the about the message this week that cinemas are coming back? I'm really, I'm really pleased about it. You know, I'm really totally, totally pleased about it. I think. Um, so yeah, so that'll be. I mean, I'm just wondering whether. I mean, a lot of people seem to think you might have to book, like we were talking to you earlier. But I, I think you might be able to go to the stand. You know, to the concession stands. Well, if it is okay, so they'll have screens up and stuff. I'm sure they'll have screens and PPE and. I've received two emails. One from one from Cineworld, one from Odeon, and both of them were talking about the 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 measures they were taking to keep people safe. So, so you're trying to convince people to come back to the cinema, and they they have mentioned um, that they were going to have uh, that there are there is going to be screens in front of the, the people. So you can go up to the concessions, although I'm not really sure that you want to be buying anything from the concessions because no, that's what, no. Well, I don't normally anyway. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, I think I said on one of our that the cinemas make no money out of me. I think I said on the on the show last week that they make no money out besides the money I pay for my for my unlimited or my limitless card. Cinemas really do not make any money out of me, and it's <laughs> and um. So I don't do that, but like they're talking about the fact that they're going to, and I'm thinking popcorn, the way they usually do popcorn, where they have mm. the popcorn and it's just sitting there. I'm thinking that does sound like a little bit of a, well, it just makes me glad that I'm not doing anything. My plan is I'm going to book online. I'm going to get there, get my ticket, show it to them on my phone, go in there, watch the film, have my mask on, make sure that I don't touch, talk to anybody or touch anybody. No one comes near me and I leave. <laughs> that is my mm. plan. That is my plan when I get there. I am not hanging around to buy any hot dogs. I'm not hanging around to buy any things. I'm just getting in there, getting out. Oh, how about you, Cheryl? What, what have you What have you heard about it so far? Um, yeah, I've heard. The, I heard the news that they were reopening. I think the, uh, the Cineworld on the island. I think I haven't heard when exactly that's opening. Though I think the Cineworld genuinely is a weekend after. I think the, the fourth is where most of them are opening. But I think the Cineworld have said they're going to start opening from the 11th, I think. Yeah, I think the government so, said yeah, the, the government said they can open from the 4th, but I think a lot, uh, the Cineworld and an audience seem to be going, oh yeah, great, but we're going to leave it a week before we come back. Yeah. So I think probably to test the water, see how the others are doing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, see what they've, got, what they've got ready to go out. But yes, I'm, part of me is thinking, oh yeah, that'd be good. Another part of me is thinking, oh, I haven't even gone in the shops yet. <laughs> and i'm still doing my supermarket shopping you know every evening rather than during the day so part of me thinking yeah yeah yeah, yeah, i'll be straight back there and part of me another part of me thinking oh i don't know though (laughs) yeah i I, I have got a mask now it's not here with me in this my particular room here but i have got a mask so but i was thinking i 
it's not comfortable. You get so hot underneath. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do not I, think I would be able to watch a, a film with a mask on. Yeah, a mask would I, never I, be a fashion enough, thing for me. No. There's, um, um, I was listening on the radio coming home from work, and they were saying it, they were talking to, so I listened to radio before, being what it is, but anyway, they were talking to the governor of Texas or someone in Texas because they let, they eased up the lockdowns really, really quite early like that, and they've just, it's just like, it's not taken so much again. rural areas, but but Houston and places like that. It said it's just you know it's, it's, they don't really know what to do because you've got some people saying, "Oh, let it happen, let it happen," and it said you know the hospitals are getting full. So I mean, I still am being a little bit wary. I'm quite. I mean, I I, I have loads of hand gel and sanitizer. I'd like about every every 50 seconds or something. Like that. <laughs> not quite that much. But, yeah, you know, but so. you just got you just got to try and be you got to try and be wary about it. Uh, but that's the, it. But I think I can't remember who it was I was talking to. I think I might have been talking. I'm thinking Sean, but I might have been wrong because I was thinking that the somebody was saying that the the big films are going to come straight out into cinema. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're going to wait like a week or two or something like that and make sure that yeah. everything yeah. is fine before they actually make any big release because they don't want their they don't want their um, cinema release to get cut. They don't want to, they don't no. they don't want the release schedule to get cut in half or anything like that. So what we so and this seems to really because Tenet, which is the big film that everybody was seeming to be aiming for in mid July, the new Christopher Nolan movie, Tenet was the big film. Everybody was like, oh yeah yeah Tenet 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 Tenet, but that's actually been moved back now. So that's not actually being released until August, which I think it plays into what I think is going to happen. Cinemas are going to come back. All the big films are just going to sit back and go, oh let's see how that happens. Let's see let's if wait. Yeah, let's wait. Let's see if anybody yeah. dies. Oh, is this actually working? Okay, cool. Now go, 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 go. <laughs> and then, then we're going to get like a glut, an absolute glut of films where there's just going to be loads of films being released in a very short space of time because all the blockbusters that we're hoping for, your Black Widows, your Mulan, essentially anything from Disney, are going to be fighting for space with all the films that were going to be released. And there's going to be a lot of smaller films that are just going to get left by the wayside. But... Yeah, I think I think that's what's going to happen. A few of the smaller films, you know, the independent films. Yeah, because yeah, they probably they probably put the films on like, you know, five or six screens, won't they? The same film like they do when whenever yeah. Star Wars comes out, you get you get ten of the twelve screens well, showing I, Star Wars, you know, every hour. Well, I actually think that there's enough screens that you're going to have so many of these big films fighting for space. Like when Bond, No Time to Die comes out and you have Black Widow, you have Mulan out, you could actually have a cinema with 11 screens that has a different film on every single screen because all these people are fighting. It, 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 will, be, it will be a bit of a financial bloodbath, I, I reckon. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, I don't oh, know. I can't quite visualize how it's going to be because I can't imagine they'd have one film come out and then have people go straight into it again. I'd imagine they'd have to do close the cinema, give it a thorough clean yeah. between each showing. And then... So and then they're saying they don't want to have people coming and going at the same time. So they're timing it so there's at least half an hour or more between each showings, film starting yeah. and yeah. coming out. So I can imagine at somewhere like Newport where they've got what eleven screens, but they may only ever have five in use at any time. Well, I reckon that so they yeah might be a squeeze. Yeah, uh, I, I think... wonder if they'll have a one way one way system, whereas like you have to go in through the car park and down, you know what I mean, so you don't pass. Or, or, yeah, or the other way, up, up the escalator, and you've got to go out the back. Well, uh, I don't know if that'll work. Just before we came on, Odeon sent, sent an email out, and 
it is it's they have a thing on there that says like oh we are a safer cinema they actually have a, like a safer cinema badge now and they have like different <laughs> yeah there, there's a there's a badge that says we are a safer cinema and it says it, you you're reading through the things it's like okay a safest place they're limiting the number of seats for each for sale for each film and guaranteeing unoccupied seats between parties to meet social distancing requirements we are staggering the show times to reduce queues and operate safe queuing measures with floor markings and cinema host support Safer buying. We recommend you book online for a contactless experience with all ticket checks conducted, conducted visually only. We're offering a range of prepackaged food and drinks, so ah, no popcorn, with contactless till payments. We will no longer be accepting cash, but we have increased our contactless limit to help you buy safer. Enhanced cleaning throughout. We will have frequent and more thorough cleaning routines throughout the cinema with extra controls in all toilet facilities. Stations offering sanitized gels and wipes with, uh, with our complements will be available at allocated points. And in the care of a well-trained team, the cinema team has been trained. So I think that's, that's pretty much it. And then they have yeah. things that you're supposed to do, like follow social distancing at all times and essentially don't be an idiot. So... <laughs> <laughs> Let so, uh, me see how well that's worked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good Lord. Oh, the, yeah. I, as if you're referring to the pictures of the people on the beach in Bournemouth. On the beaches, yeah. yeah and I don't know, just um, celebrating the Liverpool. And is any excuse? Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, let's run out and get as close to other yeah. people as we possibly can. Sh- Sean, Sean, can you I defend think... your hometown? Well, they what? What I think what they're I basically a lot of the Bournemouth is, ones though. They don't I'm, come from Bournemouth, do they? I'm not. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. It said a lot of people. Because, I mean, again, they were talking about it, and people were just parking anywhere. They were parking on roundabouts, on pavements. They weren't worrying about a ticket because yeah. a lot of them had come a couple of hours. And if you've driven a couple of hours, you're going to want to go on the beach. You're yeah, not going yeah, to say, oh, the beach is full, I'm going to turn around. Yeah. So what they're, what they're saying, it wasn't a conscious thing for some people. It was just that they, they'd been, um, you know, for... but. I mean, this is, I don't know if we can say this in there, but you talked to some people and they said it was really, really terrible because there were like a queue. The toilets were open. Because there was a queue for toilets, people were defecating by beach huts, sorts of horrible Ooh. things going on. And they said it's like just a mess, the whole thing. They're t- talking about, you know, just sort of not allowing it to happen. Because just closing apparently beaches there was off. like six, six tons of, of waste left on the beach. So, I mean, it's, it's been a disaster, really. So, oh. oh, that is, that is yeah. so not cool. That is... It's horrid, yeah. That is, uh, yeah. But it's not Bournemouth. It's not Bournemouth. It's not Bournemouth people. And by the way, <laughs> no. I'm about defending Bournemouth. I can't defend Bournemouth performance in the football. They're just pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, no, I'm not. People... I'm not even. I'm. I'm not even going to try and and that and resign myself to the fact. They're on the island. We can't blame people coming to the island and causing a mess. Because when you look at the, I've seen photographs posted today of like Atley Beach and Ride Beach where there's been beer bottles and rubbish strewn along the yeah, beach front. Yeah. And you think, they haven't come from the mainland. That's people who live here who've done that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, it doesn't have any sort of boundaries, does it, unfortunately? Yeah, a friend of mine, he posted something yeah. on Twitter. He, he's on the island, and he said, he, I think he quoted the government saying, we're just going to rely on the general public's common sense to know that they should stay social distance from each other. And in brackets, he just wrote, we're doomed. <laughs> so that, that, that's one for you, Paul. I saw it on Twitter and I, I, I agree. Yeah, it's like, if uh, it's, I don't understand why 
you say, look, we're trying to keep you safe, but people just kind of go, you know what? No, forget about that. We don't need to be safe. You don't know what you're talking about. We're going to... I just... I, I don't get it. Uh, anyway, what are we talking about? We're, oh, we're talking about social distancing in the cinema. <laughs> so, in the um, cinemas, yeah. Safer cinemas. Yeah, cinemas. Safer cinemas. We want that yeah. badge at Newport. We want a safer cinema yeah. badge at Newport. Safer cinemas. I mean, yeah, to be honest... I wonder, with... I wonder if it'll be the... I wonder if it'll be the same staff. I expect so. Yeah, we'll go in there, get, get your little regulars. Although, the, when they're coming back, yeah. I don't know what Cineworld... I think Cineworld is doing a similar thing to Odeon. That they're going to start showing films that I think had not been in the cinema that long before they went off. And they're going to be showing some... So, Odeon, in the email, they have six films on that they're going to be showing. They're going to be showing Dark Waters, which I think, Sean, you saw. That, yes, I saw Dark Waters. Yeah, they're going to be showing Onward, which I'm really happy about because I was really sad that Onward's run in the cinemas got cut massively short. I think it only had about yeah. a week before lockdown cut, happened. Cut. We liked that, didn't we? We liked Onward. We liked Onward. We liked Onward. They're going to be showing Little Women again. Okay. Yeah, they're going to show the... Oh. And they're going to show a couple of things that they call classics, like The Dark Knight. They're going to be showing The Dark Knight on the big screen again. They're going to show... Ninth, they're bringing 1917 back. And... Right. The, the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I knew oh, that wow. there were going to be a few anniversary sort of specials, as it were, that they're being sort of trotted out yeah and i knew the yeah, i knew it's about empire because it's its anniversary or something is it 30 years or i don't know something like that uh, 1980 it will be 40 years wouldn't it 40 years 40 years yeah, yeah. it will be 40 years well yeah. there's um yeah i mean i mean like i think you're you've nailed it toes and about they're testing the water aren't they they're testing yeah. this go before they have any new releases yeah so, so yeah I suppose I'll, I'll be able to catch little women yeah, yeah, catch a little word. Let's see. I think the only one out of those that I haven't seen is Dark Waters. But um, I think there'll be other things on there. But I'm, I think I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm going to try and be the canary down the mine on the first weekend. Get in there and see what happens. <laughs> get there. And, and, and yeah. Maybe I'll come back and I'll be like people on Bournemouth Beach going, Oh my God, it's a disaster! <laughs> they shouldn't yeah. have let this. People don't have a brain. People can't do it themselves. You need to do all the thinking for them. <laughs> but I think you have to I suppose it's one of those things you have to do it to think oh okay it wasn't that bad because I know one of our friends he was he I was texting him and we were texting each other last night and he was saying he had to he lives in cows and he had to come into Newport for the first time and I was like going oh, you went into Newport <laughs> <laughs> and he said you know what it wasn't that bad <laughs> and I live in Newport <laughs> it's like no they're crazy over there they're crazy I, just, I don't do I said you went on the bus <gasps> <laughs> Oh, I know. But you know, he was fine. So I think it's one. You know, well, sometimes we may think, ah, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's madness out there when it may not be as bad as we think. Yeah. I yeah. based my judgments on one sort of bad experience in the supermarket, <laughs> and now I'm thinking I'm not mm -hmm. going to the supermarket before like eight o'clock at night. <laughs> uh, I, I had exactly the same thing. I had it where somebody refused to stay away from behind, like you know, you're, you're standing in the queue and someone seems to think this whole thing is just a whole bunch of rubbish, and is standing yeah. right behind you and breathing down your neck. And I thought that's it. Uh, I'm not coming back into this cinema, into this um, shop before 7 p.m. because in the middle of the day shopping, not for me. It is stupid. There's yeah. there's too many idiots around. And oh, uh, there is. And it, that might be me when it comes to the when it comes to cinemas. I might might just go there with like you know a long coat and a baseball bat underneath it. Anybody comes close to me, this thing is going to turn into the purge. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, I did say to my mum when she went 
the, the last visit we had for hairdressers, I said, you know, well, we've got a broom handle that's about the right length. So I said, mum goes out, she's going to carry this broom handle with her. And if she can turn around without push, hitting push you, you're away. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I said, that might be me. I might yeah. just be carrying a broom handle. And if I can swing it without touching you, we're fine. <laughs> okay all right but it could get nasty <laughs> so it, it will be interesting it will be interesting and I'll, when they let me book i'll figure out what what will be the first thing i see back in cinemas in 2020 um hopefully yeah. people are not stupid and we get to keep cinemas around and it doesn't end up being an absolute disaster for the end of for the rest of 2020 because i know that there's yes, there's have... a... <laughs> what what's that share it'll be very interesting if they had like the contact traces it's like you know all the, <laughs> it just we, we off. blame the Empire Strikes Back because this is peak because if everyone had gone, <laughs> it's like yes, yeah, the only thing we had in common. <laughs> there's a massive COVID spike around the screen of the Empire Strikes Back. Hmm. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, uh, it's funny because Sean, I've taken a leaf out of your book. I joined a Facebook group called Film Club. And I actually put a question yeah. out there. I put a question up there this week. We, you know the questions we usually ask on the show. And uh, I, yeah. I think we're running out of time right now. So I'll, maybe I'll read some of the answers out next week. But I asked the, asked the two questions, which is, um, what was the last film you saw in the cinema um, before the cinema's lockdown? And there are some people on there who share, I think, Sean and my pains of the last film that we saw, which we thought <laughs> was going to be the last film we saw in 2020. Sean with Sean with Bloodshot and me with uh, uh, Fancy oh, Island. Thank you. Yes, yes. I I tried to forget it. It was that good. <laughs> so look, uh, Fancy. Uh, there's some people on there, but I also asked the question: What's the first thing you're going to see? What are you most looking forward to seeing when you get back into cinema? And there's a lot of people who say, "I really want to see this, but I do not think I'm going to be coming back into cinema." There was one person who I will mention the name next week who actually said, "It depends on what's being released in the cinema in 2022." So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. yeah but but also as i said we love people getting back in touch with us and somebody who has seems seems to have taken it upon himself to become part of this podcast a bit like superfan nina a bit like london correspondent holly is our cinema usher patrick a cinema usher a oh, quiz patrick. Yeah, yeah writer patrick so patrick got back in touch with uh, he, he sent me an email this week and he said Hi, Tosin. I just listened to this week's podcast. Very enjoyable, and thanks for doing the quiz. I thought you did very well. I'm sure you would, I'm sure you would have done better if you had heard me quoting the films, in brackets, complete with Scottish, 1940s British, American, Geordie, German accents. You, have, you would have gathered that I am a great Coen Brothers fan. As well as Fargo and The Big Lebowski, I also love Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? By the way, the Blade Runner bit is where the replicants visit an elderly Chinese guy in a sort of sub-zero laboratory. The old guy says, I just do eyes. I made your eyes. At which point, Batty replies, if only you'd seen what I'd seen through your eyes. I was, ah. Yeah, that, uh, because that was the thing. It, uh, towards the end, I was getting this. I was like, oh, yeah. I think I remember this bit where they go to see somebody who makes replicants. Then it says, I was very impressed that you got the player. Great film. And... It's, uh, uh, so well done Shara that was you and whatever your dream was I hope it was a happy one uh, no it wasn't a very happy one was it I think that was a quote is the closing sequence is the closing sequence of Brief Encounter he says I am afraid I am one of the anoraks that can quote great swathes of within an eye sad or what and for the record I think Fargo is an absolutely wonderful film <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it's, I, I think it's funny the, the, the films you like the films you like I mean I could practically quote verbatim um, Apocalypse Now, yep. probably, and and a wild bunch. Yep. Zulu, I could do a good good attempt at Aliens, and I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you put her in charge, man? You know, so you, you do have your favourite films. And I'm sure Sharon will like, you know, you, I bet you... Seven Brides, I can do Seven Brides. Strictly I Ballroom, I can do probably all the words from Strictly yeah. Ballroom. I can do Blues Brothers. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it, Blues <laughs> Brothers, yeah. Yeah, so, so, he, so he says he thinks Fargo is an absolutely wonderful film, but he has a big but in capital letters. It took three viewings to get to that point. In brackets, he writes... Oh jeez, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh jeez, yeah. 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 <laughs> which, which I will admit, that was the first thing I took away the first time I watched Fargo. I was like, why are they saying yeah so much? What on earth? Who are these people? Why do they talk like that? <laughs> Is that Steve Buscemi? Yeah, shop- I think. So- Sorry, Sharon, carry on. I think. I think. So- yeah, I, I think sometimes you can like see a film again, watch a film again, and. um and like it you know get it the second time and yeah yeah it's not as bad half as bad as what i thought it was you know yeah hence batman batman superman dawn of justice oh no sean sean let it go let it go (laughs) (laughs) let it go let it go okay because i was ugly head again i I was doing i was doing another one of our interviews with somebody which will go up in a couple of weeks is that is that with a friend of mine who's an author a guy called ben jeeps and I, i essentially said that i've come up with I believe the word is a moratorium. I that I am not allowed to talk about Batman versus Superman or Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker on the podcast anymore because I will go into a rant. <laughs> yeah, okay. and, and I think and, and I think I've done it. I've done it about two or three times in the interviews with poor, unsuspecting people who just wanted to have a good interview about like the film going experience, and then they left with me ranting about these films. I think I did it in the Karen Bagshaw interview, and I did it again in the interview we're going to hear later today, <laughs> where they got they got me. Is like you know in the Incredibles where Syndrome goes, you sly dog, you got me monologuing. You got me monologuing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, that's kind of it's like you sly dog, you got me ranting about Star Wars Episode Nine again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got me ranting about Batman versus Superman again. But uh, anyway, so to co- to complete, when, Pat- when, yeah, sure, carry on, Sean. Yeah, I was just I was just saying it's the same. Sometimes um, some of the students when I used to teach sometimes were so good at getting me to go off tangents. You know what I mean? <laughs> I could sort of well, you know what I'm like anyway. At the best of times, say so, so say, oh sir, what do you think about so and so, so and so? And I say, oh yeah, well that's really interesting. That blah blah blah. blah. You know what I mean? And I go yeah, you know. So yeah, so. <laughs> They're quite good like that. I get, I get, got easily distracted. Yes, yes. Speaking about being easily distracted, I'll get back to Patrick's email. <laughs> so to finish it off, he says Steve Buscemi is shot in the face by the wealthy father who is bringing the ransom, and he shoots him dead. When when he sees the psychopath partner and is bleeding profusely from his face, he says, "You should see the other guy." So finally, my son really enjoyed the podcast with my interview and remarked how knowledgeable you guys all are. Aww. Hey. Oh, that was nice. Aww. Aww. That was good. Yes, yes, yes. People seem to think we're knowledgeable. I just think we, well, I, anyway, I just think we're we. Uh, we can blag it. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we can, that's exactly, we can blag it. And he thought your presentation style was great. Just thought I'll pass that on. Thank you very much, Patrick. And you are always welcome to send us audio clips of you doing your versions of these quotes and see whether we can figure out what film they are from. Uh, Now, finally, we get to actually talk about films. We talk about if there's anything that we have seen this week, anything that we've watched. Have you guys got anything? Because I have something I want to rant about. I've got one Um, brief one, a series I've finished, but that's all. All right, cool. All right, yeah, no, I've, I've... 
I've spent most of my time watching the football. <laughs> oh, I've yeah. spent a lot of time watching the football. So it's a big month, like, isn't it? Taking up most of my time. It's a big huge month, month, you know. Yeah, football's I mean, coming I've back. Been... Liverpool have just won the title. Yeah, like... Cinemas are coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so for me, I haven't really watched much way in the movies or TV. It's been mainly, mainly uh, the football and uh, a couple of again clips on YouTube of. Um, oh, it's quite funny with the. Um, Michael Palin, Eric Idle, and John Cleese. So, so oh, yeah. Right. So I haven't really seen any films. Oh. Although I might have probably seen one. Okay. All right. Maybe. Uh, well, so I have one. I promised you guys last week that I had a rant brewing about a film. Oh, okay. <laughs> and there's so much <laughs> I needed to rant about this film that I had to write down notes. <laughs> so, so Sharon, you tell us what it is that you you tell us what what it is that you've seen, and oh, me and yeah. I will I will rush off and go get my notes. Okay, I yeah. saw uh, Anne with an E, which is a Netflix series based on the book Anne of Green Gables. There's three seasons altogether, so I've seen the first season of Anne with an E, uh, based on obviously the, the beloved book. Uh, so yes, it's the story of Anne Shirley and how she's an orphan in print on. She ends up on Prince Edward Island in Canada and she's adopted by a spinster sister and her bachelor brother and she goes to live in this community of Avonlea on this farm in Green Gables and how she you see her coming to terms with living in this new, being adopted for the first time she's 13 and living in this rural environment uh, so yeah I have been watching that the so whole season with my mum so so yeah this and is so, the yeah, this is the thing because this is very very on brand for you because it is it is uh it used to, it, it's a book it's a, it's a literary adaptation and that's where you live yeah so yeah <laughs> so so what did you think because i'm guessing you've read the original book yes i've read the book i liked it actually it's quite it's slightly more gritty than the the book because obviously the book is a is something of its time and you see the sort of the things that are implied or suggested but they're never avert and this is basically you see more of what the reality of being an orphan in sort of turn of the century Canada would be like yep. if you were left to your own devices how and there is suggested that that Anne wasn't abused as such but she was in homes that were less undesirable that she was witness stuff and so you get the feeling that as an orphan she was sent out to work for some of these families that were dirt poor and had too many children to cope with, yep. and so you get the feeling, yeah, that she was probably exposed to more stuff than, than, than she that there's healthy for her, and so she does seek refuge in books and in fantasy and in an escape, and her escape is, is reading, and you can see it in the way she acts, is the fact that yeah, she's been exposed to so much horror that she sort of found this escape in, in the fantasy world that, that sort of, she basically makes the world the place she wants it to be rather than what it is okay and yeah. uh, and so so what do you think as a as a literary adaptation of a book that you obviously know a lot about how would you rate it i thought it was really good actually i enjoyed it we're just we've just finished last night actually we finished season one and so we're, there's, there's three seasons all together and i think there's more to come so we are going to be definitely watching the rest of them and so we watched the first so i would give that and me and my mum, i think she agreed with me we both enjoyed it I give it a four out of five. Oh, cool. Four mm -hmm. out of five. So, do you, I, I remember reading this thing about Anne of the Green Gables. Apparently, it's massive in Japan. Where, and 
huge everywhere with the because uh, she's got red hair and she always has it in two plaits down the front. Yeah, yeah, but apparently there was it, it was so big in Japan that they were building. I think is there a house in Canada that is where that is that Anne of the Green Gables is based on that house or something like that? Yes, yeah, yeah. you can go there. Yes, they're building a replica of it in Japan. Right. Yeah, they're, they're building a replica. It's on Prince they're Edward great. Island, and um, my friend actually went there last year, but unfortunately, because she's a huge Anne of Green Gables fan. And she went there the day after the hurricane. That's when her plane landed, the day after the hurricane. Oh, and basically, Lord. Edward Island had been battered to death and nothing was open. Literally nothing was, was open. And she had like a, a week on Prince Edward Island looking at downed trees, basically. <laughs> 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 so she wasn't. You've got to love those. You've got to love those Japanese, though, haven't you? Really. But oh, they get, they're so into they, it. Yeah. As I say, I like think the they, they are. The but Moomins. anything, I think a lot of the European stuff. But the Moomins are huge in Japan and in China, and a lot of literary, especially literary things, though, because uh, obviously the Moomins are based on Tova Janssen's books. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The same with um, Alan Montgomery's books. Yeah, Anna Green Gables and. Anne of Avonlea and all those things, yeah, huge in anywhere that they appreciate books. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's just, it was just one of those weird things because I think when Anne with an E was released on Netflix, there was an article that went with it that spoke about how they were pretty much creating an Anne of the Green Gables theme park in yeah. Japan. <laughs> and I was like, it's like, you know, Japan is one of those places that you keep hearing things about and you just keep going. Yeah. That is such an interesting place. I mean, your first thought is weird. And then after that, you realize, okay, it's not good to call somebody else weird. And they go, you know what? That's an interesting place. I would love to actually go there and figure it out. Because the things that take off in Japan, I don't get. <laughs> the things, it's kind of like a totally, totally different culture to anything I've ever experienced. And I'm like, it's like, how on, uh, how come they're the ones who who um, adapted House Moving Castle into something? It's It's just weird. It's just weird. <laughs> All right, so four out of five. Four out of five. So that's my one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, four out of five for Anne, of, Anne with an E on Netflix. And I will let you know that that will be the highlight. That is definitely the highlight of anything we're going to review this week. Because <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, this is the film that I have been, I was speaking about last week. And I was just sort of saying, uh, ooh, ooh. I mean, like, Sean, you know how well, we've spoken about when you're watching a film in the cinema. And it's like you have a sort of ants in your pants thing and all that. And you're like moving up and down. I do, yeah. Cross, the, cross legs and jumping around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, I, this isn't a based on a book as well, is it? A, if I say the letters AF, does that... Am I close? A, yes, it is based on a book. You are right if you say the letters AF. It doesn't mean what some people <laughs> might think it means. It's not It's not like we're saying, oh, you know, it's, it's rubbish <laughs> AF. Not like, no, no, no. The initials of the book are yep. AF. This is a film that was supposed to be released in cinemas. And instead of being released in cinemas because everything that went on, it got released straight onto Disney+. Plus. So it's a Disney movie. It is Artemis Fowl. It is based on the series of books by Ian Colfer, uh, like an Irish author, Ian Colfer. And um, it is the books. I've read the first one. The books are good. The books are good. The the author he described the first book as die hard with fairies, and and to be honest with you, when I read the book, I was like, it actually lives up to that. It actually lives up to that description. Die hard with fairies. Now, if you're anything like me, if someone says die hard with fairies, you're thinking, awesome. This is great. This should work. But I actually think that it, mm -hmm. it, I, I think that this is one of those films that was was done a service 
it was done like you know it was done uh what's the word it was it was done a, it was done a mercy by covid the fact that the coronavirus came out and that this film did not come out in cinemas saved them from a massive bomb because this film is it's 90 minutes and the number of times i was i'm going to read through my notes here it's like no but for, my first thought was 90 minutes should not feel this long <laughs> 90 minutes you don't feel this long i mean this is a 90 minute film that's supposed to whiz by in no time whatsoever i Damn. stopped i watched this film over a week in three bits because i had to keep pausing it because i could not handle what i was seeing it was oh my god it was it, <laughs> uh, it's a, nobody comes out of this well this is the kind of film that taints everybody it's touched everybody who's in it like you know usually you might have a bad film and you'll have like one person like a sam rockwell who would show up and still be like yeah it's a bad film but i'm in it and i'm still i'm gonna walk out of walk away from this thing scot-free yeah. nobody nobody walks away from this film scot-free this film is rubbish judy dench kenneth branagh who directed it colin farrell who's who plays the dad nobody walks away from this scot-free it is so because okay <sighs> All right, so <laughs> you know when they say die hard with fairies, right? So imagine this film is supposed to be a die hard with fairies with a twelve-year-old Hans Gruber. So this is twelve-year-old criminal mastermind. He's twelve, but he is essentially if you th- think of Alan Rickman in in Die Hard, and think of the two thousand AD character PJ Proby, is it? He's like a criminal mastermind, a child. Oh, maybe, maybe something like that. I, 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 that's one of the 2080 characters I do not know about. It's, it's, it's so like that's one of the. Okay, cool. Sean just went away, then came back. It's one of the. It's one of the 2080 characters I do not know about. So if this thing cuts out and brings us back in, we'll just press the press the cue because you know no need to wait because we're not recording it today. So um, yeah, he's not one of the characters that I do I do not know about. But it's but it's kind of like a bit like that. He's supposed to be. You know how clever like Hans Gruber is and he's like one step ahead of everybody and he has this idea of okay this is what's going to happen that's what's going to happen imagine that guy but imagine him being 12 but imagine him already being like Hans Gruber and Die Hard that is Artemis Fowl and that's what Artemis Fowl comes across as and, he's and supposed to be yeah. that's what he's supposed to be and you know you have and whenever you have a kid as your as the lead of your film you have a little bit of a problem and I know that we've we've had this with the Harry Potter movies and everything. And I watched, you know, the Coen Brothers. We're speaking about the Coen Brothers again. We just saw True Grit. I just saw True Grit for the first time, which has Haley yeah. Steinfeld. Hi, sorry, I've just looked at the map. It wasn't PJ Proby. That's the singer. It's PJ Maybe as oh. the 2000 AD character. Okay, cool, cool. So, so PJ Teenage Maybe. Teenage murderer. Teenage yeah. murderer. Okay. Yeah, he's a murderer, arch criminal, all sorts of horrible things. Oh, art, okay. I can't look him up on my. Yeah, uh, Artemis Fowl is not quite that bad. As Artemis Fowl is essentially kind of like think think of like a Bond villain. Yeah. So he's a Bond villain, but he's twelve criminal mastermind. So that is the character that you have, and the 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 whole thing through the the original character. The the okay I'll, okay I'll just say this thing. Okay, so the Coen brothers, they as I said, I saw True Grit. I was started reading about um about um the film. And they had this whole thing said that they spent so long, I think it was something like two years, looking for the person who was going to play the kid in the film. Because they said if, they said if the kid doesn't work, the entire thing doesn't work. With Artemis Fowl, the kid does not work. I mean, it oh, is, 
it's it's uh, it's one of those things where you feel am I just being a mean old man and I'm hoping that Ferdia Shaw who plays Artemis Fowl never hears this because <laughs> because I don't want to just be so like you know, some suppose he's just trying to he's trying to get get ahead in his career or anything like that but he just doesn't work and I think some of that is the is the characterization that they give him he is all over the place in the in you're supposed to have this kid who you feel is always like 12 steps ahead of you who is always just sort of walking around he has a plan he knows where he goes and from the word go the Artemis Fowl character knows what it's about this place he's all over the place one place he's kind of like you know he's a sad little kid who's looking for his dad and then another piece he's like no I'm a criminal mastermind there's actually a bit where he says I'm Artemis Fowl and I'm a criminal mastermind I'm like you haven't earned that nothing you have said so far in this film has shown any of that. You haven't earned it. You you are not. This is such a bad film. It is. It's, it's, oh my God. And it is, and the worst thing is it wastes good people. You have Nonzo Anosier, who is an actor. He was in, he played somebody with a name I always struggle to remember or pronounce, but he gets locked. He's in Game of Thrones and he gets locked in a massive, um, he, he gets locked in a chest, in a, you know, in a, like a bank vault. He gets locked in a bank vault with a woman and essentially that's he's left to his death. I know the one. Yeah. I know exactly who you mean. Yeah. Yeah, that character. He plays that character in Game of Thrones. And he plays this character called Butler. And in the book they have this whole thing about how um Butler that it's his name, but the but it's he so people think he's a butler because his name is Butler. No, his name Butler is actually his name, but that's because his family the the profession of butlers are named after his family. So he's supposed to be like this absolute badass special forces person who just sort of like looks after Artemis Fowl because nobody knows where Artemis Fowl's father has gone and his his mother is 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 like it has an illness and she's upstairs and he is absolutely wasted. I think Nonso knows yeah when they when they cast him I was like, "Oh my god, that is great. That is that is great." I mean just from the looks point of view, this would be he's big, he's hulking. The, I never saw the character as black in the in the original book, and the fact that they've made the character black, I'm like, oh, this could be good. But my God, all he is there for is exposition. It is a, there's whole, you know, the whole thing about show don't tell. This is yeah. a this is a film that spends its entire running time telling you things. It just keeps telling you things and telling you things. I'm like, don't tell me. Show me something. It's like, no, 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 no. We will tell you. There's this thing called the Oculus. The Oculus is blah. Da, 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 da. We need to go do this. And there's whole swades. There's like 10 minutes where all they're doing is, and they've turned Butler into an idiotic character who just goes, but Artemis, how would we do this? And Artemis goes, oh, yes, my father told me, blah, blah, fairies, this, that, and the other. And I feel like they have wasted absolutely wasted a brilliant concept that the books are actually really i re, well the first book i really like the first book i think it's such a it because it takes the whole thing about irish myths and you know and how you have like you know fairies and goblins and dwarfs and all that and it does such interesting things with them that the film kind of sanitizes kind of infantilizes and just makes them too clean and just it's just rubbish I mean, you have Josh Gad. Josh Gad. Oh my God! I just remembered it. Josh Gad plays Mulch Diggums, and I think he is wrong for the part. First of all, Mulch Diggums is not supposed to be a Josh Gad character. He's supposed to be like, uh, uh, you know, the actor Bernard Shaw. Yeah. 
Bernard Shaw would have made a brilliant Mulch Diggums. That is the kind of person Mulch Diggums is supposed to be. And they've, they come up with this whole thing and he does this whole kind of, because it's Josh Gad, obviously, he has to have all these asides that make it funny and they try and say, oh yeah, do you know that David Bowie was a pixie and who cares? I mean, it's just... Oh. <laughs> and then they give him, they give him, an, uh, they give him a, what's the word? Uh, a voiceover. So he has this whole voiceover where he's, not quite doing an American accent, but maybe it's supposed to be a little bit Irish and it's just rubbish. And the voiceover sucks. It drags the whole film down. The <laughs> Tell me when you've had enough and I'll just, I'll just stop. <laughs> I'll just stop. They've, they've changed the story from somebody, from a boy who is trying to, from a boy who is trying to um, save his, his mother. Because the original story is all about a boy trying to save his mother. Because And the, the reason for his whole plan that he's put into motion, that you find out piece by piece, is him trying to save his mother. And they've changed it to a story about a boy trying to save his father. And there's, an, there's, a, there's a ferry officer. Sean, Sean you, you've left the room and you've come back in. Yeah, don't worry. I can't. I've can't I've, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think they must be using a lot of, I can hear a lot of music and a lot of game playing and all that. So I reckon it's probably something to do with the bandwidth, I would think. Okay, no, don't worry. Can don't, yeah. don't worry, I'm still going. I'm still going. Don't worry. Okay. Cool. I'm still going. And I could still. I could. I could still be going with this for a while. So, uh, what was the last thing I was complaining about, Sharon? So it was. The oh characters, yeah. The characterizations and the voiceover and the fact that it just yeah is a wasted opportunity. And it turns a story about a boy trying to save his mother into a story about a, tr- yeah. a boy trying to save his father, and the mum is nowhere to be seen, which leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. I, I have to be honest. And then they have like a, a ferry officer, like a ferry police officer. And it turns out that she too has a missing father. And oh my God. And then Artemis and this officer are possibly bonding over. And there's supposed to be some crap ass love story about how, oh, your dad's gone, gone. Oh, my dad's gone too. Oh, wow. Let's be friends. And it's so stupid. It's so, so <laughs> stupid. The film doesn't hold together at all it is painful it is a painful painful 90 minutes even if you don't know the books i cannot recommend this film usually i would say usually i would say there's something you can find about it isn't there there's normally something there's yeah okay there's usually there's usually there's something i can find about it usually i would say sharon sean maybe i'm being a bit too mean go watch this film and let me know what you think i would say th- this case i'm like no save yourselves do not watch this film. Do not watch this film. It, it, it was done a favor by the virus that the fact it wasn't released in cinemas because it is rubbish. <laughs> it is rubbish. The, even the computer effects, the computer effects are rubbish. They have a centaur in it it's called Foley. In the, in the film, he, I mean, in the book, he's quite a cool character. He's kind of like the Q of the entire, of, of the entire sort of fairy branch. And he's he's wasted he's absolutely wasted and the character and the, the 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 effects in the film are terrible they are like did you need another three months to to finish this effect off i just don't yeah it's 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 a uh i think i'm gonna have to go down to a one i was gonna go for a two but i think it's a one out of five for me oh, it, it's a, a one, one. It, a one eh? i think it's a that one is, yeah. now now that we've gotten that out of the way, now that I've, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had my rant. I've been ha- rushing to get that one. <laughs> no, no, I mean, please save yourselves. Do uh, I love you guys too much to to recommend that you watch Artemis Fowl? <laughs> I, uh, I I love you guys way too much. I'm sorry. All right, it's rubbish. 
it is so rubbish i mean sean watch it if you want to have a massive massive rant apart from that <laughs> you, you can come and join me on my oh, ranting uh, you can come and join me on my ranting bench because oh my god it's it uh, because i i put a search in for the film and one of the things that actually came up with is like it said judy dench in rubbish like artemis fowl is a whole subgenre of its own <laughs> <laughs> really yeah yeah uh, oh it's, it's like honestly she's you can see that she's just there because a friend kenneth branner was directing it that she just did him a favor but uh, we need to move on we need to move on and i need to stop ranting i need to just make my peace with the fact that this film exists so, <laughs> all right so it's now time where we're going to get on to our weekly interview so what we've been doing, which we might continue now, even though cinemas are back, is that we've been speaking to cinema lovers, film lovers, people who just love cinema, and we're asking them a couple of questions. The questions will come up in the interview, but this week it is the time of John Green. John Green, who is somebody who I work with over here in the Marianne Evans Hospice, and he starts off by explaining a little bit about what it is that he actually does. So here is John. Oh, welcome to the Netflix vs. Cinema podcast interview. And hello, Mr. Green. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm all right, thanks. How's it going? Doing good, doing good. Now, we know each other because um, you you work at a place called the Marion Evans Hospice, which is close to where it is, I, well, where I live. That is true. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what the Marion Evans Hospice is? Because um, oh, we've, we've had some dealings in the past and we were actually having a chat recently about the kind of stuff that you guys are doing in this sort of like COVID lockdown period. Do you just want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. The Marion Evans Hospice um, basically focuses on uh, end-of-life care, Yep. Uh, both in the community, in the home, and at the day hospice facility. Obviously, yep. that's changed now because of uh, COVID-19, yep. and we focused all of our clinical efforts into the community, which means that we may manage to maintain those same excellent levels of care, but now in people's homes. Yep. Uh, Hopefully reducing the burden on the NHS as well. <laughs> good stuff good stuff I, I guess it is just the kind of thing that uh is is needed at the moment but could be overlooked oh yeah definitely i mean um i have absolute respect for the clinical staff that work at that place they come in they do a fantastic job they look after people who well essentially they it's never going to be a happy ending yeah put it that way yeah um, and they they make them comfortable. They make them laugh. They make them happy. Um, one of the beautiful things about that place is that you'd think you say hospice, it sounds almost like a vampire's graveyard. <laughs> um, and you think you go in there and you're like, oh my god, everybody's dying. But it it's it nothing could be further from the truth. I absolutely love the place. Like it's so full of laughter and happiness. And um, you you wouldn't know, really. Yeah. Uh, you, you would not know that the patients who come here are in. A terminal condition yeah yeah I, I, I can testify to that walking in there it is you're just kind of like oh wow it's actually a happy place what the heck is going on and it's like it's like someone didn't someone give them a memo that this doesn't have a happy ending didn't someone, <laughs> didn't someone tell them that yeah didn't someone explain to them what terminal means but but it is mm. it, it is a it is a very happy place and um, you said the clinical staff. So you don't work as a clinical, um, as one of the clinical staff there. What do you do at the Marion Evans Hospice? No, I am the communications officer, um, oh. and I do everything that that might involve. My background is in art and design, so I am responsible for all of the branding, um, 
I did the rebrand, which I'm quite proud of. Yeah. Um, and all of the kind of like print materials, event materials, um, everything on the website, copywriting, anything that needs to be done in kind of a digital or creative way, that's me. Yeah. And I also, and it's also, well, well I always say that um, because I do videos and that's, that's my main thing. And I always tell people that essentially whenever you're doing any of this stuff is to get people to pay attention to you. And in the, in the terms yeah. of the hospice or charity, again, you want people to pay attention to you. And one of the things you primarily want to do is raise funds. So if there's anybody listening to this who might think, oh, we got what he says, I quite like it, especially in this sort of lockdown time. I know that you're doing some fundraising things. Where can people go to, to donate or to help out in any way? So they can go on to Just Giving um, yep. and just search for the Marianne Evans Hospice. That will take you to our main page and you can donate that way. If you want to join one of our current quite successful campaigns, um, which I'm really excited about because I was uh, part half of the operation in that one. Yeah, um, <laughs> because there's, there's a lot of people on furlough at, at the moment. So, so yeah, there, there's essentially yes. well, like two people running the entire hospice right now. Pretty much, yeah. Apart from, I think there was, at one point, there was two non-clinical staff that were unfurloughed, and one was the CEO, the other one was me. So, <laughs> that was quite fun. Yeah, so you were saying, the um, you were talking about the, you said sponsor a nurse? Yeah, so we've got a sponsor a nurse campaign on um, Just Giving, where you can go, it's uh, £99 to sponsor it, to actually get the sponsorship put onto our website, yep. but we'll take anything. Price yeah. for coffee, anything. We've got donations any any level for anyone anything they can spare um it doesn't have to be 99 pound obviously that would be most welcome more or less fantastic it also we're about to launch this will be coming in the next few weeks a 100 to 100k challenge where we're looking for 100 fundraisers that each fundraiser is going to raise a thousand pounds to help us raise a target of a hundred thousand pounds to help ease the financial burden of coronavirus yeah yeah, yeah, the big bad, the big bad at the moment. Yeah. So, um, well, thank, thanks for that, and uh, oh, well, hopefully, if there's anyone listening here to this and they actually get it, just so sort of like at least help you guys in the Amira and Evans Hospice, uh, well, make this time a little bit easier for some people. And uh, yeah. one of the things I have to say, Marianne, because I moved to this area, this to this area near Coventry, well, in between Nuneaton and Coventry, um, just uh, well, I, th- I think it's just under two years ago. Uh, I moved to the area and everything around here was called George Elliot, George Elliot, George Elliot, George Elliot. And I was like, who the heck was this George Elliot person? Who was this George Elliot guy? And I was actually making some like silly joke to my wife. And I was like, oh, did you know that George Elliot and T.S. Elliot were brothers? And she was like, no, no, there's no way they were brothers. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just sort of making like, you know, off the, you know, where you're, where you're trying to hoodwink somebody into believing something that's obviously not true. And, and she, so she went to Google and she was like, she was like, George Elliot was a woman. I'm like, what? What do you mean George Elliot was a woman? <laughs> so, so from making a pretty bad, silly joke, I found out, I ended up educating myself and I found out that mm-hmm. George Elliot was one of these celebrated authors, but because obviously at that time, women were not allowed to, well, we're not, it, it wasn't seen to be financially viable to be a woman. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's crazy when you say it like that. But it's uh, uh, it so she she wrote under the pseudonym of George Eliot, and everybody's oh my god, George Eliot is amazing, George Eliot is great. And then it turned out that George Eliot was Mary Ann Evans, and so I I actually found myself getting a bit upset. I was like, what? Why is everything called George Eliot? <laughs> I was like, why is everything called George Eliot? The hospital's called George Eliot. There's George Eliot avenues all over the place. But 
that's that's like hiding the fact that this was a woman. And uh, so I have a soft spot for Marianne Evans Hospice because you're about the only place that uses her actual name. So, <laughs> so for me, I'm always like, yep, give them whatever. Give them whatever because they use her actual name. But yeah, that's one of our favorite bits of trivia. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's like for anyone who's listening to this, the more you know. Anyway, um, now we are talking on this because obviously we're on the Netflix versus Cinema podcast. Usually we're on the, the podcast we're comparing three things we see at home on Netflix and related streaming platforms. Three things we see in the cinema, we rate them between uh, out of five, and whoever gets the highest average wins that week. The whole idea is. Which one is giving you better value for your money? Is Netflix going to kill cinema because cinema just can't keep up with the quality that's being produced in one place? Or is cinema still producing quality? And every time we meet up, we're usually meeting to talk about doing something, some sort of fundraiser, some sort of attention grabber for the hospice to help to raise charity. But we usually end up talking about film. And we, <laughs> we, we end up talking about yeah. film in some way, some form. Or whether it's who's done a good job. Our latest one was all about Star Wars and J.J. <laughs> Abrams and all that. And I thought, okay, that's it. Yeah. Seeing as we're, we're doing this series during the lockdown, where instead of, because we have no cinema, we are bringing in people who love film and we're asking them a whole bunch of questions to fill in the cinema section of the show. Let's have a celebration of cinema. So I thought, we've got to get you onto the show and ask you our patented questions, for, for which no one else has ever thought of before, to, uh, uh, to, about, about your cinema-going experience. And like your, your cinema going life. So the the first thing I wanted, that I would ask you, the question we always kick off with is, can you tell us the story of the first time you ever went to the cinema? Yeah, I can. It's a very, very vivid memory. It must be, I must have been about four years old. Yep. Um, and I remember it because I associated the opening scene with this film for most of my childhood life. It was The Little Mermaid. It was the first <laughs> thing I ever remember going to see. At the cinema, uh, and I always associate that you know that little castle scene with the the little whistle that they do every Disney film that comes on. I always associate oh, yeah, yeah. that with mermaid. Yeah. So I I would bet heavily that that is the first film I, I remember going to see, and I I would say that's the first film I ever went to see at the cinema. Oh, well, okay. Now you're talking to like a Disney fan. You're talking to a person who who sort of like goes, oh my God, they're terrible, terrible. Look at them. They're a horrible multinational conglomeration. They own everything. They have a monopoly. Oh, they released a new cartoon. I got to see it. Got to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So for, yeah, so carry on. I find myself very much caught up in that. that I find myself very much caught up in that dualism. I mean, <sighs> I've been, I've gone on and done masters in fine arts where I've had to hide my secret love of Disney because, you know, it's just it's not cool when everyone else is talking about Slavoj Žižek and you're there going, God, isn't The Little Mermaid just something else, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've had to keep it. I've had to keep my love kind of deep down, but now I have children. I feel that I can celebrate that and I can buy into the Disney conglomerate kind of less guiltily because I know that eventually... <laughs> They will kind of get around it. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't. Except somehow, in a cruel twist of fate, my daughter doesn't even like Disney stuff. So. Ooh, ooh! But I don't it, know. I, I know I exactly know. what you mean. Like uh, people tell me sometimes, they're like, "Oh, so yeah, oh, you wait until when you have kids, so you can go to Disney World." And I'm like, "I don't need kids to do that." <laughs> it's like who who needs? Uh, it's embarrassing how many times I've been to Disney World. <laughs> it's like I was like. 
who needs kids to watch Tangled? Come on, nah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so See, yeah, Tangled unrated. I think it's massively unrated. I am, I am one of those cinematic hills that I will die on. Is that Tangled is a superior film to Frozen in every way. <laughs> oh, oh. I, I, I just heard Baba Eisner like pick up. Yeah, yeah, that is, yeah, that's it. I am just, I am, yeah, that's it. I am sorry, but I think Frozen, overrated, Tangled, massively underrated. I think Tangled is a film I could put on and watch anytime. It is so good. Tangled is so good. And anyway, uh, apart from, okay, I'll, I'll maybe I'll give Frozen the songs or one song. One song, yeah, I'll give Frozen yeah. one song. But apart from that, I'm like... <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this in, in, in all of my life, the, the best Disney film that I've ever seen, and myself and my brother uh, absolutely adore, is Hercules. Hercules. Oh, okay. Oh. Now this this came out of Disney's supposed supposed dark period of animation. It, it was, like, you know, this is where they weren't winning. They weren't winning awards, and it. I, okay, I appreciate it. it. Does not have the breathtaking quality and storytelling of something like Beauty and the Beast. Yep, yep, it is. It's not as fast paced and and as vibrant as as the Lion King. Yep. but there is something wonderful, a joyously wonderful about the kind of gawky, useless nerdiness of Hercules. Maybe it was because when I first saw it, I was around about eleven, twelve. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I was having that same kind of. I got these big hands that don't really fit my child body. I've already got these <laughs> big hands and these big feet, and I'm bumping into everything and falling over everywhere, and maybe it was just it was that emotional connect yeah yeah with this guy who you hear all the stories about that's meant to be this this great superhero almost manly superhero obviously a half god yeah um and they presented him as kind of like this really awkward gawky doofus essentially yeah yeah uh, i i i yeah. uh, i'll i tell you what i think hercules I agree with you. It's not, uh, for me. It's not top tier Disney, but it, Hercules gets a pass from me if another is the for Bless like my an... soul. Herc was on a roll. Uh, Person yeah. of the peak in every Greek opinion poll. I'm like, yeah, yep, you get that a pass. Is, that's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive rendition. You know? I'm, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so yeah, I, mean, I can't. I can't reach the high notes there, but great. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. Uh, I, I I agree with you, but I know that there was. I think Disney's proper dark period was the 80s. Essentially, most of the eighties, they didn't have mm. a clue what they were doing. They didn't. They lost their way up until the Little Mermaid. Yeah, you talking like Black Cauldron. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the Little Mermaid saved them, didn't it? Really? Yeah. The, the Little Mermaid saved the animation arm of Disney, pretty much. Then they had this purple <laughs> patch from Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, uh, mm. Aladdin, Lion King. Yeah, I don't think I think it was anyone, but I think they had that run where it was just kind of like, okay, the. This is awesome. These guys are awesome. They can do no wrong. And I feel like they with Lion King, they hit this peak with the Lion King. And Lion King mm-hmm. was just so almost perfect in every way that I was like, where the hell do we go from here? Yeah, <laughs> and so, and yeah felt, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, they went to Pocahontas, which, you know, wasn't... Yeah, I think... So then you had the next ones, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, which I love oh, and I, I think is massively, massively underrated. Hunchback of Notre Dame, yeah. So yeah, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and um, Hercules, and where they were trying to almost, there were you could see that there were there were attempts in some of those to recreate the mm. formula and the magic of Lion King, and all those films just kept being compared to Lion King, 
And I... And I don't think it was until the Emperor's New Groove that they broke away from that. And the Emperor's New... Emperor's em- New Groove. Yeah, the Emperor's New Groove. I love that film because it's so anarchic. And it's it's kind of like you get mm. the feeling that when the people were making the Emperor's New Groove, um, the Disney Supremos were not supervising them <laughs> and did not know what they were doing. So no. they so they end up with this film and it and it just all of a sudden is like oh my god Disney can do this even the drawings are weird the, just, yeah so yeah I, I I could talk Disney all day as was, you can guess yeah it was no that was that was that was another good little gem I think is and I would also go Atlantis as Atlan- well, yeah Atlantis yeah Atlantis is a bit of a gem yeah Atlantis is a bit of a gem I, I think that gets I think that gets ignored I think because. Obviously, this was the period when um, when they shifted their focus from animation into Pixar, didn't they? So, well, it it's it's all complicated, it, and this is part of the Disney big behemoth, so swallowing everything. So, Pixar wasn't yeah. Disney to begin with; it was kind of affiliated with no. Disney, had support from Disney, but it wasn't Disney. So then, then Toy Story came out in '96, and that started like you know blowing people's minds, and then A Bug's Life and all that, mm-hmm. and then they. Uh, and Disney kept doing things, and then when they saw what business, Pixar was doing, they eventually acquired Pixar. And Home on the Range was the last animated, like hand-drawn animation thing that they did. Then after that, they went, "Okay, cool. It's all about computers." And they tried to go into the computer animation with Meet the Robinsons and all that. And yeah. uh, until John Lasseter, when they took over Pixar, John Lasseter came over and was like, "Okay, yeah, guys, what are you doing? Hand-drawn animation." And that's when they brought back. They came back with Princess and the Frog another underrated one so yes yeah so yeah. it's yeah uh, essentially the okay we might have to move off disney but essentially the the yeah. the, <laughs> the point is disney do good stuff they are a horrible evil megalomaniac like you know world destroying conglomerate capitalist machine that make amazing stuff <laughs> exactly well it's just like apple Exactly like Apple. Exactly like Apple. I think it's like, oh, for goodness sake, what's wrong with them? Why are they making it so well? Why are they being so well? Why Why is it like, why can I only use it the way they say I can use it? But Mike, it is good. It is pretty. <laughs> it's great. It just works. How does it just work? It works. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, all right. Cool. So that's it. The, so first film, well, first film about cinema, The Little Mermaid. <laughs> and would you say yeah. that that sort of like sparked something that went, ooh, yeah, I, I need to find out more about this cinema thing? Um, yeah, the cinema always had, ever since then, the cinema has always had a really kind of magic quality. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's something really uh, wonderful about a trip to the cinema that you can't recapture. I mean, I know it's expensive now, and I know it's difficult, but I look forward to taking my kids to the cinema. The only reason I have stopped going to the cinema is because I have two under twos. Yeah. Um, but the going to the cinema is something i as a parent look forward to now showing to my children mm. and and giving them that magic i mean there there are moments that i've had in the cinema that i don't feel could ever be recaptured i mean i never understood the big buzz around blade runner you oh know, yeah i watched yeah. it i knew i was meant to appreciate it i was like oh god yeah well i can see it's a good film yeah then, i'm um, with you I on remember that i was studying i was studying i was down in london and i went um I went to the cinema just to pick it up. It was a special edition, re-released, out at the cinemas, one night only. So I was like, right, I'll, go and, I'll, I'll get a ticket and, and go and see it with a couple of friends. And it blew me away, right? And that's when I realized how good it was meant to be. 
Oh yeah. I was like, oh, I get it now. I get it. The sounds, the surround sound, being being like completely entrenched in that whole atmosphere. Yeah. And that's that's the whole thing about cinema. It's the atmospheric nature of it that just draws you in, sucks you in. I mean, I've cried more in the cinema than I've ever cried in my own home. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what. Because it just it just draws you in. It, it, it does. That does speak volumes about your home life, which is good. It just, <laughs> your home, your relationship with your wife, with your kids. That that sounds good. <laughs> very happy. It's very happy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah. You're, you're you're going on to one of our questions. Then is like you know why do you think cinema is such a big thing? Or why do you think it it's it's a thing? What what's the what's the allure? I mean. I th- it's just it's it's the it's the whole experience from the age of of a small child i wanted to go to the cinema every opportunity i could get you know it was a treat it was it wasn't that we did all the time i mean if a big new movie came out um i'm thinking any of the batman films at oh, that yeah. time yeah um late 80s early 90s uh any disney film came out or any kind of really good animation came out and obviously i was a child i remember not being allowed to go and see jurassic park until my parents had seen it (laughs) and i was so excited to go and see jurassic park but they were so worried that it wasn't appropriate for me because i was so young (laughs) but i really wanted to see it because i was really into dinosaurs so they went to see it and i stayed up i remember this i remember staying up with my grandparents who were babysitting me at the time I stayed up so I could, they could come home and tell me whether I could go and see it. I wouldn't go to bed <laughs> until they got back from the cinema. You know, and that 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 magic, that excitement, that kind of there are there are moments I've had, particularly in in my home cinema, which is in Tamworth. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's something. I mean, I've been to a lot of cinemas, granted, yeah. and but there is nothing like there's there's almost like a relationship there. There's something magical about even just the drive. Oh, to yeah. Tamworth to go to the cinema. Tamworth itself isn't the greatest place, but <laughs> you go to what was the old UCI, which is unfortunately now an Odeon. But yeah, um, the UCI there was was something awesome. It was like that drive. You got excited just just going past the trees in the countryside from where we were. Yeah, you knew where you were going, and the excitement started to kick in. You were like, oh, God, we're going to cinema. Yes. <laughs> and then it was, then it was literally to see how much popcorn you could eat as well and how how many times you need to go to the bathroom that's why my parents would never pay for a large drink <laughs> all right so at the time we're recording this the latest episode of our podcast has uh okay no two episodes has just gone up and it's with a is a friend of mine called nina Remtula, who um mm-hmm. who <laughs> it was funny when we had this interview with her she couldn't remember anything about any of the films she'd seen all she remembered was was, was the snacks was the snacks and the experience and stuff. And so, and so, yeah, I know you're speaking, you're speaking her language the way you're talking about, oh, yeah, the popcorn, see how much you can eat, all that. So, so no, that's, and I think the word experience keeps coming up back again and again and again. When, when we do this interview, the word experience keeps showing up. People are like, well, you can't recreate that. It doesn't matter how big a screen you have at home. You just can't recreate it. <laughs> I think I think it's absolutely right. I mean, also it's really interesting you bring up cinema snacks. My father, right? He would never ever eat Revels or Minstrels anywhere else. Boy, he, he could never buy them for him. He wouldn't be interested. <laughs> Go to the cinema. He'd always buy a pack of Revels and a pack of Minstrels. No idea why. But he sat there and he would eat them. It was like that was his cinema food. You know, it was his routine. It was his ritual. He he wouldn't eat popcorn. 
he would go, he would buy a pack of Rebels and a pack of Minstrels. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I, lo Just, I don't get it. I absolutely love this. This is brilliant. All right, cool. All right. I think okay. So let's this one. I think you might you you might want to listen to the interview that we we had with Nina Rodula because I think I'm definitely gonna have to listen. To I him. think she, she and your dad might share a lot in common. <laughs> she, she and your dad, might, they might they, they might be like you know kindred spirits going. Yes, I see you. Yes, <laughs> snacks. All right. So, um, what was the last film you caught at the cinema before the lockdown? Okay, the last film I'm I'm actually quite embarrassed about because I wish it was cooler. But uh, um, it was I lost. Uh, obviously, my family's democracy, so we do votes. Yeah, and I lost, and we went to see Dora the Explorer. Oh, and the lost city of gold. Yeah, I think I wanted to see Venom. I believe was out at the time. There was something out at the time that I really wanted to go and see. It was my birthday, and somehow I lost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, good lord. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. So it was just there. So, what did you think of Dora the Explorer? <laughs> I mean, to be perfectly honest, it wasn't actually that bad. That's one of my favorite Mexican comedians in it, so it was okay. <laughs> like, it was livable. <laughs> okay, okay, because okay, because your family, okay, so your your English and um, your family has is it? I know it's I know it's somewhere in South America uh, roots, but uh, I can't. I don't know what country it is. So my wife is Mexican. Okay, cool. Oh yeah. Uh, my my first daughter was born in the United States. Yep. Um, my second child, my son, was born in Mexico, and then my third child has just been born. He was born in England. Congratulations! We, I lived in. Thank you very much. I lived in Mexico for a fair few years. I went initially went there to learn how to cook. Oh yeah, and to learn Spanish. Um, and my idea was to go there, come back, and build an empire of true Mexican restaurants because I believe the Mexican food, and I still have this opinion, Mexican food is the best food in the world. Oh, yeah? Okay. Um, it's very closely run, but if you try real, actual Mexican food, it is a wonderful delicacy. Oh, okay. So, um, um, hmm. I'm beginning to see your plan here. Mexican food is the best food in the world. Marry a Mexican... Oh, okay, cool. I, I see mm -hmm. what you did there. I see what you did there. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See my business head going on there. Um, but unfortunately, it, like the marrying the Mexican wasn't even part of the plan. That was just, it was meant to be, we'll go to Mexico and then we'll do a whole tour of kind of South America, learning all about South American cuisine. Yeah. Unfortunately, I met my wife on the second day that I arrived in Mexico <laughs> and it was kind of love at first sight, which ruined all the plans. But, you know, we did that. I did that traditional English thing where I don't actually admit how I feel for at least six months. <laughs> so it was a lot of back and forth. Oh, all right. Cool. Cool. Good stuff. So so when you guys went to see Dora the Explorer, I guess that the fact that it is and because I've seen that film and I agree with you, I think it, it is when you hear Dora the Explorer, of course, everybody sort of like looks like the um, thinks about the, the, the cartoon it's based on. 
and mm-hmm. and Dora talking to the screen and trying to get the kids to get involved and all that. Uh, but I think that I remember seeing the film and thinking this is the closest thing to the Goonies I have seen in a long, long time. So it's like mm-hmm. yeah, to a modern update of the Goonies. I think the long, uh, but also it goes quite quite into the the sort of heritage, the heritage of of Latin America and the heritage of Latin that usually kind of gets ignored because when you look at history or you, you look at the Americas and when you look at in, in history what happens to the Americas with the Europeans coming in it was oh, good lord it's it it it, well, it makes me sad and I feel like there's a lot there's a large part of like the heritage in there that um, usually doesn't get spoken about or gets ignored or you know it's all just about um, it's all just about Spanish when there's like you know there's Incas and there's Mayans and all that so was that part of the the decision in in Dora the Explorer winning over on your birthday um well I wish it was something quite as interesting as that it was quite simply that my daughter when she was little she did actually look like Dora the Explorer she had a fantastic (laughs) little fringe cut and uh, we used to dress her up like that um and she had big cheeks you know yeah yeah yeah. she's really really skinny but she's got big she had these big massive cheeks (laughs) did she have a backpack um she did have a backpack yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she she absolutely she's all all of her little life she wouldn't admit it now i mean she she's probably mortified that i'm telling you now that she's like a pre-nager um but she absolutely loved dora and as soon as she saw that they'd made a film I, I i've not seen her get that excited about um a movie for a long time so kind of like that was one of the options but me I, i'm stubborn i'm difficult so i had to put my option out there and nobody else wanted to go and see it <laughs> So we took a vote, and then I said, "Right, fine, I'm going by myself." And then I got told off by my wife, so I couldn't go. So no, uh, I, okay, I, I, okay, that's I love that story. I'm laughing at your pain, but <laughs> but I, I have to admit, it is not there. There are worse things as the last film that you saw at the cinema in 2020 being Dora the Explorer. I think that because on the on the podcast on the regular show we have myself, Sean, and Sharon. And we were going through the mm-hmm. last films that we saw in the cinema, and only Sharon is truly happy with her choice, <laughs> because well, because um, obviously we kind of had this idea that oh this is coming this this day is coming. Though I was planning yeah. to go see another film, I was planning to go see another, but I felt ill and I couldn't. So this film ended up being my final film. I saw Fantasy Island, which is an update, right. yeah, it, which oh, also starring Michael Pena, mm-hmm. yeah, also starring Michael Pena, and it's stupid it's uh, it's it's you know when you're watching a film and you can almost pinpoint the moment where the brain left the room and, yeah. and people are just kind of oh my god i'm talking can we just get to the end of this yeah what happens yeah well what if it was her all along yeah yeah that worked <laughs> kind of thing it's like, and it's yeah it, it was stupid sean ended up seeing um the vin diesel movie blood bloodshot with right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't need to say any more on that one, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and Sean, Sean, he he kind of goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. It, it was all right. It was all right, really. Which I take to mean was rubbish. And uh, yeah. and Sharon got to see Military Wives, which she really, really liked from the director mm-hmm. of the full Monty Peter. I can never pronounce his last name per, per, correctly. It's like Cataneo or something. And okay. yeah, and um, so Dora the Explorer being the final film, even if it is the final film you see at the cinema in twenty twenty. I think I think that that's a, I personally think that's a good shout. 
I think it's one of the few, it's one of the kids' movies that we've had recently that have actually punched above the weight and defied expectations. Dora the Explorer, you know, Son- say, Sonic say, the Hedgehog. I'd say it's a solid, a solid three out of five. Solid three out of five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll say that too. I'll say that too. Uh, especially as a film that's carried by kids. I mean, that is, mm-hmm. I think that's it. So, and the final question that we have is what are you most looking forward to seeing when cinemas reopen? I would. I am really excited to see more of the Star Wars spin-offs. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm quite excited about the uh, Kenobi because he was by far my favorite Jedi. All right. Um, you the so, you McGregor vintage or the Alex Guinness vintage? Both. <laughs> All right. Okay. You know, but I mean, I think if there was one thing, and I know that you and McGregor gets panned quite a lot for his his performance in in the prequels, mm-hmm. but he is playing essentially a character that has no emotion. So if you look at it that way, he's actually quite good. <laughs> uh, that's a, uh, okay. Uh, all right. If we, it's a bit like saying, uh, well, you see, Keanu Reeves is playing a character that has no reactions. So if you look at it that way, he's actually quite good. <laughs> well, the same about Nick Cage. Nick Cage just plays the same guy in every film. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so I think I think Kenobi. I think the Obi Wan is actually going to be a series on Disney Plus. Oh, is it? Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it's actually going to be a series on Disney Plus. So, um, so, but is there anything like big screen cinema wise, like you were talking about, like you know that Blade Runner immersive thing that you're thinking? Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. There's um, there's not like, I just I just I want to go to the cinema. I don't even care anymore how many things I lose. If I have to go and see like Trolls Three and Trolls Four, I don't care. I just I want I want to go to the cinema. I miss I miss it. There was a time when we when I was living in Mexico, my wife, who is also an avid cinema fan, um, we used to go to the cinema every week. Yeah, sometimes twice a week. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'd we'd go, we'd check out the listings, we'd look for a kids' film, we'd look for an adult film. We'd in the week we'd take our daughter, um, and then we drop off our aunts at the weekends, and then go ourselves and see the adult film that we wanted to go and see. I mean, it's just, it's just the whole thing. Cinema. I, I don't even care what I go to see. Mm. I mean, obviously you're you're always a bit disappointed if it's naff. Yeah. Um, I think I've only ever walked out of one film without seeing it all the way through to the end, which I think was the exorcism of ex- Emily Rose. Oh, yeah. Rightly. Oh, yeah. I just, I was just bored. <laughs> just bored. And, you know, I was having an argument at the time with a, an ex-girlfriend, so it wasn't particularly easy to watch the film. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> but uh, there, are, there are moments that I remember, like, great friendships are made sat in the cinema, watching things like... I remember jumping on a train when i was what about 13 14 years old um avoiding paying a ticket because you could do that back then yeah um to get to a cinema in birmingham to go and see coach carter and i remember lying to my parents saying that i was studying at my friend's house (laughs) just to go to the cinema you know um and and but that that is where friendships are forged yeah um and I mean, you can tell the measure of a person if you take them to see Saw and they don't flinch. You should probably move away from the car. <laughs> well, they take to see Saw and they're like, yeah, 
Yeah, whatever. We're a bit tame. You know, and it's the whole it's the whole experience that gives you nightmares and means that I can't sleep for a week afterwards. <laughs> oh, you're one of those who like horror movies. You see that I I, I don't I'm get. Not, I'm not. I don't get the I'm point of horror, horror movies. Yeah, I don't get the point of horror movies for exactly that point for that, exactly that reason. I mean, the stories are always awful. They're completely predictable. But somehow, somehow I always find myself sucking in. Mm. And I know what's going to happen. I know exactly what's going to happen. The story is so predictable. It's so easy. But when you're in there and they ramp up the music and you're like, oh, man, something bad's going to happen. They just ramped up the music. But it happens anyway and it still shocks you. You're like, oh, God. Oh, God. I know, I'm, I'm there. I find myself... I'm, I'm, I'm quite a scared cat, if I'm, I'm perfectly honest. I mean, I pretend to be brave for my wife, you know. To to <laughs> <laughs> She's there grabbing onto my hand. But I, I always betray myself because I'm like, I'm completely in control of myself. Every time I'm just like, yeah, they're ramping up the music now, so something scary is going to happen. Just prepare yourself for it. Okay, obviously, that guy's going to die now, so that's okay. That character's gone. Get it. <laughs> don't don't form an emotional attachment. I'm, I'm talking myself through every time I go and see a horror film just so I can act brave and then there's always one damn thing that makes me jump there is and it betrays this whole thing that I've done and she comes out and she's like oh so did you get scared and I'm like I never get scared I don't get scared about anything she's like so what did you jump then I'm like ah oh, damn it <laughs> you're like oh oh yeah be be, 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 be brave be strong be strong she's, she's yeah. grabbing onto you this exactly I'm brave this, 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 this could work out well for you this could work out well for you if you just sort of like you know stay strong <laughs> <laughs> and then I've been undone by so many horror films so many horror films have undone me untrue but yeah like there's not anything that I'm particularly like I've got lots of I'm, I'm really into seeing I just I want to see anything yeah yeah I understand I just want to be back at the cinema I want to sit down I want I want the I want to see the Dolby surround sound pop up and you know I want I want to be told that I can't turn my I need to turn my phone off and there I am you know that's probably the only time I listen to anyone telling me to turn my phone off yeah yeah because I'm like right and it does it annoys me it really it, well, it winds me up if someone's talking while I'm watching a film I'm like hey, excuse me yeah you should listen to some of our past episodes <laughs> you do, you know, do you know where we are this is like a church yeah shut up <laughs> Uh, all right cool john john thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you so much for sharing it and thank you so much for brightening up my morning and uh thank you for having me at least i can still decide what i'm gonna go watch at the cinema but (laughs) yes you can yes you can all right cool all right thanks so much man and uh till the next time we meet up to talk about something business related but end up arguing about star wars (laughs) super i'm looking forward to it and thank you very much for having me and uh, yeah see you soon bud see you soon bud bye thank you once again John thank you very much Mr. Green for being on the show with us so what did you guys think about that interview Uh, Disney Disney yeah a lot of Disney (laughs) you know all the films you were talking about those Disney films right yeah Emperor's New Groove not seen Hercules not seen Um, Pocahontas not seen you, uh, the Frog Princess, not seen. Princess and, and the Frog, Hunchback yeah. Notre Dame, not seen. And so I haven't seen. I mean, I've not seen any of the, that sort of era of films. The last, the, I would say, the last Disney film, actual uh, hand-drawn animation, was um, probably The Aristocats in 1970. Oh wow! What you? So, I mean, you haven't, you haven't seen one since then. 
Uh, well, I've, I've sort of caught them on TV and stuff and bits of them, so I'm aware, you know, you get the odd bits there, like like I think Robin Hood, I, you know, I mean, I'm aware of aware of the other ones through seeing, because it used to be a thing on TV, Sharon remember this, and it was called Disney Time. And yeah, every Christmas. bank holiday, yeah. Yeah, bank holidays and Christmas and that, and they'd show you little clips of um, of Disney films, so there was like, I don't know, Sword in the Stone and, and you, you know, there was a few more, and, and they used to have... I used to, funny enough, in the days of videotape, I actually used to tape them, and at different times in different bank holidays, you could practically get the whole film if you watched the clips. Yeah, because oh. in those <laughs> days, you only, you also, they didn't, Disney were very late in releasing any of their films on oh, video, yeah. if I remember. Oh, they no, no, they were very And much. then they had very limited releases, I seem to remember, that they would release one film, and then they, that was it. It would, you would not... It would not be on the shelves forever. It would be a limited period when it would be available. Mm. So okay. you, you know, that it, was... For a whole period of time, that was the only time we ever got to see a Disney film. It wasn't at the cinema, yeah. and they were still showing. I remember seeing Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs at the cinema when I was twelve. Well, you see, now um, I was complaining in the interview with John about Disney and how they're like this big, horrible capitalist business that I, in in principle, I do not like, but they keep making really, really good stuff that I do like. And one of the yeah. reasons is because of the Disney Vault. So Disney have this, what you were just talking about, how they're late to release everything. Disney have this idea called the Disney Vault, which is you they do not release everything at the same time. So they don't say, oh, we made the Fox and the Hound like, you know, decades ago. So you can just go out there and buy it. No, they'll say we're releasing the Fox and the Hound on DVD. It will be available for a month. And then that's it. Then we're pulling everything back and it's going back in the vault. And they would only release it at certain times, which means, which is why once we were having a Disney night, a couple of us, a couple of friends, and we used to have something called Disney nights where we would get together and we would watch Disney movies. And we were <laughs> trying to find a DVD of Beauty and the Beast. And we couldn't find it anywhere. And we went on to eBay and found a DVD of Beauty and the Beast selling for about 50 pounds. And that was <laughs> purely because Disney had put it in the vault so nobody can get your hands on it. So if someone can sell a DVD for 50 pounds. I just, yeah, that's one of the reasons I, I'm like D- Disney. Uh, 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 you make things I like, but I don't like I don't you. Like it. <laughs> but there was a couple of other interesting things. Do you know what? Did I, have I told you I, something I did watch? Or did I, did, I, did I say that last week? My memory's getting bad. Door of the Explorer? Oh, the, the film, the, yeah, the, and the yeah, Lost City of I Gold. I, I saw, did I say that? Yeah, yeah, that was quite, yeah, that was, um, yeah, because I, I, I didn't think it was too bad, did I, see remember? So, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I was, was really surprised. impressed with Dora the Explorer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Think <laughs> like, I wouldn't uh, think I'd be impressed if it was my birthday film, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> if I've been outvoted and it's like saying, you're going to see Dora the Explorer. <laughs> So you had better be buying me a lot of sweets in that supermarket. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry yeah. I'm laughing at your pain, Mr. Green, but that, that still does crack me up. That it was his birthday, the family voted, and he lost. <laughs> Venom or Dora the Explorer. <laughs> so, yeah, he lost on his... Uh, but that, I, I, I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. But, yeah, it, it was it was quite good. And as I said, once again, I did... They did, you did, they did catch me ranting about Star Wars Episode Nine. I'm pretty sure I ranted a while in that interview. <laughs> no, um, not too much. Not too much. <laughs> not too much. <laughs> well, not compared to the Artemis Fowl rant. Uh, <laughs> uh, another thing I found interesting was about... And, and I mean, we mentioned it earlier on in the first part was uh, 
second viewings you know it's um yeah it's surprising how have, have you ever has that ever happened to you um you guys like where you've seen something you haven't liked it and then you've caught it again and you thought oh well it's it's pretty good actually and the more you've seen it i was i was i mean yeah, I can un totally understand. Simon. Yeah, yeah, totally. That that was me with Pulp Fiction. Ah, yeah. That was me with Pulp Fiction. Uh, the yeah. fir first time I saw it, I, I think I think the first time I saw it, I, don't, I didn't finish watching the film. I always used to get about two thirds of the way through and go, I don't get this. What is this? This is rubbish. I, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. And it wasn't until I was um, I was at school. I think I was on my A levels, and someone got it and it was on TV almost every day. That I finally watched it all the way to the end, and I was like, huh. Yeah, that might be good. Then I watched it again. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I think that is actually good. That is a very good film. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I've only watched one. But I can understand how we how you, watching a film like Blade Runner, how the context and the setting is makes a difference. Because you know he was saying that oh, he yeah. didn't really get it until he saw it at the cinema, and then I can understand because I remember seeing, I remember liking Blade Runner, but then I went, I was, I think I went to see exactly the same showing. I was invited to go to the anniversary showing of 2000 um, Blade Runner at the cinema. And I was like, it's okay, but I'll go. And I got it more, I got it more from seeing it at the cinema thinking, I get why people absolutely love this film. I loved bits of it, but as a whole, I never really, was never really a favorite, but I, I got it much more when I saw it at the cinema. Maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe I need to just, go catch Blade Runner and an anniversary thing and see it and that, and that immersive thing because when he started talking yeah, about the immersive make a difference. Yeah, when he started talking about the immersive nature of it then I started thinking actually that might make sense I can imagine how bits of Blade Runner would be immersive like the cityscapes and all that and the sound I can imagine that but I, I have to admit I'm still a little bit in the in the Blade Runner going yeah I can understand that it's a cult classic and I can understand people love it but it's that's more kind of like my understanding of film or community so to say as opposed to yeah. my yeah. initial visceral reaction to it so it's uh, yeah but uh, uh, I can see that I can see that but I'm trying to think of other films I've thought were okay and then I've seen them again and I've thought actually this is really good because I must admit if I don't rate it the first time I see it there's I'm not much a chance you're watching it, it yeah 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 Okay, how about... I don't I don't tend to watch a film enough, and where I I do tend to pick and choose what I watch because I'm you know I often watch films at home on my own. I don't have to say okay, what's on the telly? Let's watch it together. Yeah, I don't tend to think if I've watched it once and I didn't love it, I think do I want to watch it again? I'd rather watch something I like. Again. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just trying to think: is there something that really did impress me more on a repeat viewing? It's probably something that I have. It's been years in between the first viewing and the second viewing. Yeah. I'm more likely to go back and visit again thinking, actually, maybe I need to refresh my memory about this. And then I'm more likely to go, actually, you know what? That is good. I think probably the closest thing to it is maybe the Indiana Jones films. Oh, yeah. I never loved them. I don't love them and love them now. But I remember when I first saw them thinking, crikey, these go on a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then when I watched them you again, know, I thought, actually, that... they are better filmmaker than I thought they were when I first saw them. Sean, sure, you were going to say something. I yeah, I still, I still can't. The Raiders Lost Ark films, I still, I don't really get the, you know, I mean, the hype about them. I, I think they're, I guess I just see them as, as I don't know, children's film. Perhaps because I was of the age then that it was that's what they were thought of. It's like you know that whole eighties Ghostbusters, oh, yeah, Raiders, yeah. all those sort of things. So never, I never really, and I was thinking the other day, and everybody says about the Goonies, 
Oh yeah. And I'm, I think I don't know if I've seen the Goonies or not. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen the Goonies, but everybody says it's really good. Have you seen the Goonies? Oh yeah, yeah, several times, a few times. I think I was the right age for the Goonies, though. I think that came along when I was sort of just hitting my teenage years. So it was when I was. Oh, you like you like it? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it reminds me of that time of yeah, sort of hanging around with my mates. Yeah, I... We used to have video Saturdays, you see, because I used to, when I was at high school, between the ages of like 13 and 16, so those high school years, we would often have video Saturdays because it was just the era when videos were first becoming popular. So there was a video shop on every corner in even in like villages and small towns. You had that they had their own video shop. And my friend had a, house, a big house in Wootton. And they had a caravan in the garden. And basically, we would stay the weekend and we would have video marathons. We'd just watch five or six videos. We'd go up the road, get the videos out. We'd go to her caravan and then we'd watch them and start stay overnight. And, yeah, we watched these video marathons. Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> I think the Goonies... one of the ones we saw then. I, th I think the Goonies was made for nights like that. The Goonies is yeah. almost, it's almost engineered for nights like that. <laughs> it's yeah. like, all right so sean how about you what, something that you saw the first time and then when you went to see it again you thought oh my god this is actually quite good and you cannot say batman versus superman no no okay no no i i would have to say um i would have to say that it is probably probably blade runner all right for me yeah for me probably i i would i would think that i, I you know three that yeah, Blade Runner. I was like, well, I wasn't wasn't quite so sure, but the more I watch it, and the, the, I've watched it quite a few times these days, and I just just really, really good movie. Right, okay, really I, good movie. So, I'll tell you a film that I need to see again under under this things because the first time I saw it, I didn't think it was. I wasn't that. I was not like massively impressed, and it is uh, Apocalypse Now. It's oh yeah. Okay. Oh sorry. Yeah. 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 I can understand that. I can understand people not getting that. But yeah. I mean, you, I saw that. I, I mean, I saw that. I went up to London. That was like a. That was like a. I saw it at one of the big London cinemas. I think it was the Odeon Marble Arch. I went yeah. to see that. So you know, I had a hell of a bit. Just the opening scene, you know. Yeah. Okay. Just like, whoa, this is going to be. Okay. Maybe, yeah. maybe so, that's yeah, the I answer. I understand what you're saying, Toast. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah. Maybe Big all screen, these films, yeah. all these films that people have been, have spoken about and said that were absolute classics that I just didn't get. Maybe that's why I need to I need to go see them on a big screen. I need to go see them in a the cinema, and then exactly maybe then right. I'll finally be like, oh, yeah. now I get it. <laughs> well, well, they had the special anniversary edition because I went over to the Odeon in Bournemouth to see it on the IMAX, didn't I? Because they had it at yeah. the high sense. Yeah, yeah. It was. So I went over to see that, and yeah, it's just. I mean, it's, there's some films. That you have got to see on a big screen. It's 2001, um, and the film where that's one of the ones I've never it. really got. But I because I've only ever seen it on the television, and I've yeah. got bored with all the monkeys at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, yeah. sound like, like my brother, I mean, Sharon. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, I think Sharon, did you ever see Zulu at the cinema? No. No. Right. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, that, seen again, that on that, the television. That, yeah, everybody sees it on television, but. That had a big impact on me, but that was in big seventy millimeter, big seventy millimeter cinemascope print, and and so those big movies. That's where cinema has got it. And I know if they've got these massive TVs with the curve and all that, like the one you have but, right behind you right now. I have right behind me, yeah. <laughs> but um, right, but it still doesn't doesn't make. And I mean, do you know what? 
I think I agree with Tarantino because when I went to see The Hateful Eight, I think there's something about when it's shot on on celluloid. I, I don't know something different because I mean, although this is like That's HD, quality, you've got these, you, you got yeah, you got these ultra HD TV ones, and I don't know. Sometimes I find them. When I f it took me ages to get used to it, I found it a bit false, a bit like too. It's too. Like, it's too clean. I don't know. It's different. Yeah, it's difficult to explain. It's difficult to explain. It took me a while to get used to high definition, but I do the, all the films that when I think about what I like, I've, I've nearly seen them all on celluloid. You know. Yeah, oh. yeah. Oh, I do think now. though as well that cinema can elevate a mediocre film. That you can yeah. watch a film and go, "Wow, that was a really good film," and then you yeah. actually see that again on a small screen, and then you think. You know what? It's all smoke and mirrors. I don't think there's actually much to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the That's scale it. of it makes you think, or it convinces you yeah. that it's actually quite an That's impressive it. piece of filmmaking. When actually yeah. you think it's probably not that great, but uh, it has been elevated by the medium. I mean, I mean, there's some some performances I know on our old show when we used to do, don't make them like they used to. And I said about the Valley, a Michael Caine film. Yeah. That takes place. I mean, yeah. You know, you could watch that, but it's still pretty good on the TV. But if you had seen that at the cinema, it just like had such a major impact on you. You know, it's just like whoa! It's it's, it's great to have those really really sweeping vistas. And bearing in mind, like even when they converted some of the the old cinemas into multi screens, they only had like two or three screens. You yeah. know, so they were they were still the original biggies. Yeah. I mean, even you imagine Sharon, we went to see uh, on about cubic films. We went to see Barry Lyndon, didn't we, at the yeah. pictures? And yeah. Although and that whole was in Saturday the doing that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I don't know, I don't know why they put it in the smallest screen there. But, but you, you imagine that on there were on, only three of us in, in there. In the but I think one. that's probably why. <laughs> probably part to do with it. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. Yeah. So I think people need to experience certain films at the cinema because uh, yeah. then I mean, Tozen, if you were to see Apocalypse Now at the cinema, I'm sure you, you know, yeah. with the surround sound and like. Uh, when they bring it back for the what the 35th or the 40th or whatever it is, I I will yeah, make you yeah. I make you a promise, the Sean. 50th. The 50th, yeah. when they bring it back for the 50th, I make you a promise that I will go to the cinema to see Apocalypse Now, and maybe then finally I will get it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Maybe maybe finally I will get it to the full extent. Uh, uh, but uh, all right. Okay, so thank you once again to John Green. Is that, uh, is that everything you wanted to say about what he said? Yes. Okay. And now, and now we come on to the part of the show where we try and guess. We try and guess, or well, you two try and guess what John Green looks like, based solely on his voice. And I have to say, I got a phone call. I got a phone call. You might remember my friend, Arun Baskaradas, who came on the show a couple yes. of weeks ago, was talking a lot about Marvel movies. And he, I got a phone mm -hmm. call from him yesterday. And, he, and he, I picked up the phone. And the first thing, is, first thing he said was, how do they know about the shaving? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he, I, I was like, what? And he was like, I just finished this to Netflix with the cinema. I was like, oh, yes. Because you guys nailed. You nailed what he looks like. And he hasn't listened to it until this really? week. And, you, and even he listened to it and thought, oh, my God, how do they know? Like, you had nailed <laughs> what he looked like. And so, so you guys, with that in your ears, with that ringing endorsement, what do you think about John Green? What do you think John Green looks like? Actually, funny for me because I didn't really. I didn't. Okay, Sean, Sean, you're breaking up. Really think about it, on Sean, that one this Sean. time when I, um, So I would, I would say um, probably, uh, but I don't know, six foot glasses. Um, yeah. Uh, a slightly 
slightly thin in hair. <laughs> Six foot glasses, okay, slightly thin in hair. All right, Jared, you? Yeah. Well, I've got the feeling that he's probably quite fit. Someone who exercises, someone who's active. Yep. And he, I've got the feeling. I just, in my impression of him, was someone who um, looks, you know, just healthy, so strong, sort of, you know, quite, quite fit looking. Uh, I just I had an impression of like dark hair, um, clean shaven, but someone who. To me, he looked like a bit like a runner. So I'm trying to think, who would I visualise um, in terms of looks? I don't know. Look, to me, he, I, I visualised someone who looks like a bit like a footballer, maybe. All right. Who sort of like keeps in shape. He's like quite active and um, yeah, like a, a, a smiley footballer. Okay. I like a, big a smiley. Footballer. A smiley <laughs> footballer. A smiley footballer must play but, for Liverpool. So um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Mr. Green, the gun has been thrown down. This is what they think you look like. Let us know. Send us a picture and let us figure out whether we got it right. Well, I know what he looks like. So, whether we got it right this week as to what he looks like. Anyway, I believe that is it for us today. Um, until next week, where I promise not to watch something that makes me so incensed that I rant for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. Thank you for joining us. You'll hear us soon. <laughs>